The scripture reading is from Micah chapter 2, verses 2 to 5a. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me, one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor bears a son, and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth, and he will be our peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So lately I've been reading a biography of a Christian man who died a few years ago. He was a very well-known pastor and author. And uh, I am finding the story of this man's life to be so uplifting, just very encouraging for me. He's one of those people who the more, the more you know about them, the more you want to know God better. All right, just very inspiring person. But I have to admit, and this is kind of embarrassing, I have to admit that as I've been reading uh, this book, a shameful thought has kept popping into my mind. And I say that this is a shameful thought because I don't want to be the, guy, the kind of person who always goes around thinking stuff like this. It's just, a very, it's just a very cynical, very jaded way of thinking. But as I've been reading this book about this very godly person, the thought that keeps coming to mind is, oh, I hope nothing bad comes out about this guy in the news. I hope there are no secrets. I hope there are no scandals that come to light. I hope I don't click on my Facebook feed tomorrow and read that this guy I, I, I admire was actually a sexual predator or an abusive leader, one of these preachers that amasses a small fortune through the gospel ministry. I just hope, I hope nothing bad comes out. And listen, let me tell you, I have zero reason, all right, zero reason to suspect anything like that at all, at all about this person, but that's that's the thought I keep having, all right? And maybe some of you understand why I'm thinking that. Because, listen, in the Christian world today, in our country, isn't this true? We have been disappointed and disillusioned again and again and again by spiritual leaders who lack integrity, Pre you know, preachers and teachers whose private lives don't match the message that they proclaim. You know what I'm talking about, right? We've just, we've been let down by leaders. Listen, that is the very same problem that God's people were facing in the days of the prophet Micah. Micah was a Hebrew prophet who lived in the 8th century B.C., and, and one of the problems that Micah addressed in his ministry was the lack of integrity among Israel's leaders. In chapter 3 of his book, Micah, he talked about leaders who, who used people. Uh, the people they're supposed to be serving, they used them and abused them just for their own personal gain. And the words, the words Micah used to describe these leaders, they are pretty graphic. 
Here's what he wrote. He said, listen, you leaders of Jacob, you rulers of Israel, you eat my people's flesh. You strip off their skin and break their bones in pieces. You chop them up like meat for the pan. In other words, he's saying, you, you don't care about the people you're, you're leading at all. You're just using them for your own advancement. He, he went on to talk about the prophets. He said that the prophets of his day, they would preach anything that people wanted to hear as long as they got paid. Verse 5 of chapter 3, he said, the prophets proclaim peace if they have something to eat, but they prepare to wage war against anyone who refuses to feed them. In other words, he's saying these preachers, they're only in it for the money. Verse 11 of chapter 3, he, he wrote, the leaders judge for a bribe, the priests teach for a price, and the prophets tell fortunes for money. So in, in the days of the prophet Micah, much like today, the people of God were plagued with spiritual leaders who lacked integrity. And listen, it was in that context, in that context, that God gave Micah the words that Joanne just read for us. The, 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 the words of, this is really one of the most well-known messianic prophecies you'll find in the Bible. And in this prophecy, Micah describes the Messiah as a good leader, a good shepherd, as, as one who will come with, with love and integrity and lead us, lead God's people the way God wants us to be led. So let's look at this prophecy. I'll just point out two aspects of, of Micah's uh, prophecy here. First, let's look at the identity of the Messiah. All right, his identity, and then second, the purpose of the Messiah. You could put it this way. We'll look at who the Messiah is, and we'll look at what he comes to do. So first, as to his identity, in verse 2, Micah identifies the Messiah as a ruler, a king, he says, who will be born in Bethlehem. Now, in those days, Bethlehem was a very small, insignificant town. In, in, in the days of Micah, it would have been highly unusual for a king to be born in Bethlehem. Now, it's true that King David had been born in that town, but that was 300 years before this. This isn't as far as I know, ever since the time of David, no Judean king had ever been born in tiny little Bethlehem. No, listen, kings were born in Jerusalem, in the royal city. Kings were born in palaces. Kings were born into, into positions of wealth and power and privilege. They, they weren't born in tiny little insignificant places like Bethlehem. But Micah says, oh, when the Messiah comes, he'll be a different kind of king. He says he will have a humble birth. He'll be born in this, this little backwater of a town that's so unimportant. Micah says it's small or it's least. You could translate that least among the clans of Judah. So he says the Messiah will have a humble birth. And you probably know, we know from the Gospels, that not only was Jesus born in Bethlehem, he was born in very, very humble circumstances, wasn't he? His, his parents were poor. They were far from home. There was no place for them to stay. And so you, you know the story. So Jesus, he was actually born in some kind of a, a cattle shed. 
Right? Very, very humble birth. And yet Micah tells us, even though the Messiah would be born in an unimportant place, he would, oh, he would not be an unimportant person. Verse 2, I'll read it for us again. He says, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. You, you could translate that, whose goings forth are from of old, from eternity. Now, we're not sure how Micah would have understood that verse, all right? I think he probably was trying to say that the birth of the Messiah was planned from all eternity, right? But the New Testament reveals that not only was the birth of Christ planned from all eternity, but that Christ himself has existed from all eternity. His, his origins are from of old, from ancient times, from everlasting days. Christ is the eternal, eternally existent second person of the Trinity. He is God. John chapter 1, talking about Jesus, says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Colossians chapter 1 says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, where the thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. It says all things have been created in Him, and all things were created for Him. His origins are from of old, from eternity, and yet He was born in abject humility, a small town, poor parents, unimportant place. So this, this, is, this is who the Messiah is. And, and, and the, at Christmas time, we never, we never cease to just kind of tremble at the, the beauty of this story. He comes to us in weakness. He comes to us in, in humility. And yet he is, end of verse 4, he is the one whose greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. So that's the identity of the Messiah. Now, secondly, let's look at his purpose. Why, according to Micah, why will the Messiah come? And there's much that you could say as to why Christ came into the world. But notice the aspect of the Messiah's mission that Micah emphasizes is that the, that the Messiah will come to be the shepherd we always needed, he, he will come to be the kind of leader that God's people need. And, and you'll understand why this would just grab Micah's heart. He, you know, he lived at a time when the, 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 uh, the prophets were deceiving people, the priests were abusing people, and, he, and then the Holy Spirit just helps him to see that someday a ruler will come who would be the kind of leader, the kind of shepherd we need. What, what, what kind of leader, according to Micah? will the Messiah be? Well, first, he, he talks about the Messiah's method of leadership, and he says the method of the Messiah's leadership. The method will be pure. Verse 4, it says, he will stand and shepherd his flock, notice, in the strength of the Lord. Now, when Micah writes, that the Messiah will shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord. One of the things I think he means is that in order to lead God's people, the Messiah 
will never resort to human techniques of manipulation and coercion. He will not lead in human strength. He, he will lead in God's strength. In other words, he'll be the kind of leader who will do God's work, God's way, in God's power. And would you agree with me that that is different from the kind of leadership that we often see in Christian circles? I, I saw an article uh, this week. The title of the article was, 15 reasons people are disillusioned with church. And some of you are saying, only 15, right? Uh, 15 reasons people are disillusioned with church. And according to the author, this is one of the reasons uh, for that. And he writes, uh, we have in, inside the church, we have often mimicked corporate culture. In other words, churches run themselves like businesses. He says, in the church, we've often mimicked corporate culture. We define success by numerical output, and we define effective leadership as persuasiveness and salesmanship. And so the author says that's, that's one reason people are just disenchanted and disillusioned by the church. And maybe, maybe you felt that yourself. Maybe you've been around spiritual leaders who they seem less like shepherds and more like salesmen. Just trying to persuade you, coerce you, co-opt your, your interest to, to serve their, their purposes. And, and Micah, isn't it wonderful? Micah here says, he says, the Messiah will never, ever, ever lead God's people that way. He will, he will not resort to human techniques of coercion and manipulation and, 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 and marketing and spin. In fact, Micah says, he won't have to do that. He will lead in the strength of the Lord. He'll have an anointing of the Spirit upon him. He will do God's work in God's strength, God's way. And listen, have you read the Gospels? Read them again. I dare you. Look for this. You will never, ever once in the four Gospels read of Jesus deceiving people, manipulating people, pressuring people, uh, coercing people. He never did that. He just stood and gently called people in the power of the Spirit. That's the way he led. So, so Micah says... The method of his leadership will be pure, not worldly. It will be godly. So the method will be pure. Secondly, he talks about the motive. He says that the motive of the Messiah's leadership will also be pure. He says he will stand and shepherd his flock, and then look at the end of the verse. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. In other words, he's saying the Messiah, he's, he will not be trying to make a name for himself. He, he will not be motivated by, by the applause of the people. It says, he says the Messiah, when he comes, he will be motivated by one thing, by a passion for the majesty of the name of the Lord. Now, now I think we can just be honest about this and admit it. Passion for God's glory is something that is often missing in Christian leaders. Often you'll find leaders are just caught up in this kind of game of, of self-promotion. This is a, I saw an advertisement uh, this week for an online class that is designed to teach pastors how to generate some extra income by marketing themselves to a broader audience. And the name of the class is how to develop a brand that works for you. I didn't sign up for it yet. No, I, I did not sign up. But this is, this is what um, this advertisement said. 
This is for pastors to promote themselves. It says, our culture is moving in a direction where pastors need a little something-something in order to make ends meet. <laughs> it actually said that. It said, right now we are already seeing this trend become commonplace where more and more of you need a side hustle. I want to help make this easy for you so you can provide security for your family. In three short lessons, I will help you establish yourself as a genuine and visible brand. By the end of this course, you will have a clear brand promise that is uniquely you and made for your audience. That is quite different, isn't it, from one who comes to shepherd the flock in the majesty of the name of the Lord. Not his own name, the name of the Lord. So Micah is saying, Micah, he saw the same kind of leadership in his day. He's saying, listen, the Messiah, he'll be so different than this. He will not desire his own glory. He'll be motivated by, by a passion, a passion for a love for God's people and a passion to see God glorified. And, and listen, do you know what? Do you know what the writers of the New Testament said about Jesus? When they saw him, they, they just, they, he stopped them in their tracks. Their hearts skipped the beat. It was a kind of leader they'd never, ever seen before. The, the apostle Paul wrote this about Jesus. Philippians 2, he said, Christ Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Just, it just made the, the, the early Christians tremble. Here was a shepherd who actually died for the sheep. He'd never seen that kind of leader before. And so just, just to understand this prophecy of Micah, Micah, he was, asking, he was asking the same kind of questions many people today are. Where can we find a leader we can trust? Where can we find a leader who is pure? Where, where can we find a shepherd who puts the glory of God ahead of his own interests? Where can we find a shepherd who loves us? And the answer to that question came 700 years after the time of, the, of Micah. The answer to that question is Jesus. Jesus is the Messiah. He's the, he's the shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep. He's, he's the Messiah whose birth Micah foretold in this prophecy. The one whose origins are from of old, from all eternity. The one born in humility in the little town of Bethlehem. The one who stands to shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of God. He's the one, Micah says, who is our peace. He's He's the leader your heart has always hungered for. Even if you've never seen a shepherd like that, he's the one your heart has always cried out for. So if this Christmas um, you have been hurt or disappointed or disillusioned by spiritual leaders, first, as one called to be a leader in the church, can I just ask your forgiveness? for ways I may have failed you, or just on behalf of all my brothers and sisters throughout the world who lead the church, would you just forgive us? There's no, there's no excuse for that. 
But, but can I say beyond that, if you've been hurt by faulty shepherds, can I just encourage you? Can you put your eyes on the good shepherd? Put, put your focus on him? One uh, Christian author wrote this. He said, disappointment with human leaders is painful. As painful as it can be gives us the opportunity to put our hope more fully in Christ, in the Messiah. When we come to him broken, bleeding, and disillusioned, he meets our needs in himself. Over 30 years ago, when I was in seminary, um, there was a there was a young woman who played the piano in the church that I was attending. And um, I, I came to know her story, and, and I discovered that she, she had a very sad story. She grew up in a, in a large family, many brothers and sisters. Her father was a pastor of a small church. And one day her father was arrested and went to jail when they learned that he had been abusing his daughters, including this young woman. And, um, man, if there's anything that would just make you want to walk away from the faith. It's something like that. Just this, the person from whom she learned about Jesus, her dad and her pastor had done these things to her. And yet, here she was, Sunday after Sunday. She was in our church, not just coming to church, but she was leading, helping to lead us in worshiping Jesus. And I, it just, I just couldn't figure this out. How could somebody who had been hurt that badly by a leader of the church still be wanting to praise Jesus? I, I never asked her about it directly, but, but I did once. I asked her this question. I said, hey, because uh, she's a musician, I said, do you have a favorite song in, in uh, Christian song? And it wasn't one I expected. She mentioned... Uh, kind of, not a really well-known hymn. It's one of these gospel songs that was written in the 1800s. There was a, there was a season in the 1800s where, where Christian uh, musicians, they wrote a lot of songs that, sp that spoke about how amazing it is to know Jesus and his love personally. And it was one of those, it was one of those songs. And I had to look up the lyrics, but the, here, here's what the lyrics say. I kind of under, understand why this song would appeal to her. The lyrics are, loved, loved with everlasting love, led by grace, that love to know, spirit breathing from above, thou hast taught me it is so. Oh, this, uh, oh, this full and perfect peace, oh, this transport all divine in a love which cannot cease. I am his, and he is mine. I, I, in other words, I belong to Jesus, not to the church, not to the pastor, not to any other leader. I'm his. He's my shepherd. He is mine. So um, don't give up on the flock. Don't give up on the church. And more than anything, listen, don't give up on the shepherd. He will come back again someday. He will, he will lead his flock, all of us, in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. He's the Messiah. He's, he's, the, he's the shepherd you've always needed. He is our peace. Amen. Would you pray with me? Thank you for this prophecy of one who will come to lead us as we need. 
Thank you for this prophecy, Lord, of one who, who will come to be our good shepherd. Thank you that he has come. He has died for his sheep. He has risen and he will come again. And we pray, Father, we pray that you will give us grace to find healing, to find hope, and to place our faith in him. In Christ's name, amen.